0: We're in the final week of our series, Thriving in the Mess. If you're joining us for the first time, throughout the month of August, we've been talking about parenting. Believe it or not, God's word has a lot to say about family, marriage, and parenting. Parenting is a God-given role, so we want to continue to grow and parent our children by God's design. Even though this series is geared towards parents, many of the principles that we're talking about apply to all believers at every age and stage. If you're a new parent, this series is for you. If you're a parent with elementary, middle school, or high school age students, this series is for you. If you happen to be an empty nester or a grandparent, this series is for you. And if you don't have any biological children of your own, this series is for you as well because we all have kids in our lives in some way. Now, if you've missed any of the previous messages, I want to encourage you to go back and listen through our weekly podcast. I've already had several meaningful conversations with people in our church about how this series has impacted their life in a positive way. The truth is, you never stop being a parent. And having a reminder about what God's Word says about parenting is always needed in the church. Today, we're going to jump right into the message. If you have a Bible with you, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 22. We're going to look at a familiar verse with the goal of providing some practical application for how to apply it. Knowledge is good, but there's a big difference between knowledge, which is having the facts or knowing the facts, and wisdom, which is applying those facts to life. The Proverbs were written to teach people how to live out their faith how to apply God's wisdom to everyday life. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Most people have heard this verse and have been taught that it's a promise, a promise that if we teach our children biblical values and bring them to church, then they'll always follow God. I've actually heard this verse taught by other pastors who say, if you raise your kids in the church, you bring them to Sunday school, take them to VBS, get them involved in the children's ministry, the youth ministry, then when they're older, they won't turn from their faith. All of these things are great, and we should do these things. But I also believe there's a common misconception that if we do these things, then our kids won't turn away from God or stop being involved in the church when they're older. I wish this were the case, but unfortunately, This is not what this verse is saying. All of us know about situations where a child was trained correctly and had biblical truths impressed on them by their parents, and then at some point in their life, they wandered away from the faith. Instead of viewing Proverbs 22, verse 6 as a promise, we should view it as a prescription for how to train our children. The key phrase in this verse that helps us understand its meaning that helps us understand the prescription is the phrase, they should go. It says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. In the original Hebrew text, there's no word for our English word should. In the Hebrew, this phrase is best translated as according to their bent. So you could say, start children off, According to their bent. According to their bent means according to the way that God has made them. According to their unique personality or according to their individual passions. In other words, our children have been made in a unique way with unique personalities and unique passions. What a reminder that as parents, we should get to know our children We should learn to understand their unique personalities, their passions, their likes, and their dislikes. And then we should train them accordingly. We should help our children develop the bent that God has given them so that when they're older, they won't stray away from it. So how can we do this in a purposeful, helpful, and encouraging way? I want to give you three things today. Number one, accept your child's uniqueness. Accept your child's uniqueness. If you have siblings, this will make a lot of sense to you. If you have siblings, it's really easy to see how you've been created differently. My brother and I are six years apart. Um, We were raised in very similar ways. We have the same two parents uh, raised in the same home, but we're completely different people, and that's not a bad thing. Our passions and goals in life are just opposite of each other. Think about the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. The younger son was the wild child. The Bible tells us that he took his inheritance early, decided to move away. He spent it all on wild living. The older son decided to stay home. He always followed the rules. If the younger son was a rule breaker, then the older son was a rule follower. So here we have two kids who were complete opposites, but they were two kids that the father loved equally, and that's so important to be reminded about today. Even though the dad loved his kids equally, he did treat them differently. This is one story that highlights how fairness doesn't always mean that each child gets the same thing. Uh, Fairness doesn't mean that everyone gets the same thing. Fairness means that everyone gets what they need. There's a big difference there. The wild child got a party thrown in his name uh, when he decided to come home. The older son did not. It's not treating one sibling better than the other. It's giving them what they need. Let's go a little deeper into this first point, accepting your child's uniqueness. I'd like for us to reread Proverbs 22, verse 6. It says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Knowing what we now know about this verse, we could read it like this. Accept your child's uniqueness according to their bent, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Parents, there's something that we need to run from. It's so hard to do, but it's how God has called us to parent our children. We need to resist the temptation to mold our children into our own image. See, it's not our job to tell them where we think they need to go to college. It's not our job to tell them uh, what job we think they should have when they're older or who we think they should marry. We should raise them and train them into the people that God wants them to be, not who we think they should be. Here's what a lot of well-meaning parents unknowingly say to their kids as they grow up. And this may not be verbal. It may be through your your actions. We say, you know, God loves you, and I have a wonderful plan for your life. (laughs) Without knowing it, we raise and train our children to do what we want them to do, to play the sports that we want them to play, to work the job we want them to have, to marry the person that we want them to marry. And we have to understand This may or may not fit who they are. It may be our desires, but not theirs. Here's what's going to end up happening if we do this. If we put our own desires on our kids, it's going to end up frustrating them and making them feel like a failure because we're leading them down a path that they were never meant to go down. And that's really what Proverbs is all about. It's about gaining godly wisdom and going down the path that God has called us to go down. We have to be intentional that we don't mold our kids to think this, that if I just do what mom and dad wants me to do, then and only then will they be proud of me. Then and only then will they love me. As parents, we need to trust that God has a plan for their lives. And they may take a few detours along the way, and some of those detours hurt, but God is faithful. If you're breathing today, and if your kids are breathing today, then God's not finished with you and he's not finished with them. My pastor and my mentor, Paul Cunningham, he pastors Westmore Community Church. He says this pretty often to his church. He says, children are not clay to be molded by us, but human beings to be unfolded by God. And what a beautiful truth. So how can we help our children grow into the individuals that God has called them to be? Well, number one, accept your child's uniqueness. Number two, if you're taking notes, affirm your child's value. Affirm your child's value. Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 through 31 says, What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. In this passage, Jesus was talking about a bird, which in our eyes doesn't have a whole lot of value, unless you're a bird person. Yet God cares about each and every bird individually. Then Jesus took things a step further by reminding us about our value to God. We're reminded that every single strand of hair on our head is numbers. Now, some of us have a lot more than others. The truth is this. God knows and cares about every single detail of our lives. God affirms our value over and over again throughout his word. One truth that's attached to each of these reminders is this, that God's love and care in our lives has nothing to do with our performance. And friends, this is the gospel simplified. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So it's not based on our performance. Christ died for us while we were at our very worst. And not only can we be recipients of God's free gift of love and grace, but we're also called to share that good news with our kids and then model God's love and grace in our own lives towards them. So we should be looking for opportunities to remind our children about their value apart from their performance, apart from their grades, whether or not they excel at sports, whether they get accepted into the college of our dreams or marrying the person we approve of. We should also look for opportunities to remind our children about their value apart from their choices, their choices at school, work, and relationships. Regardless of performance and choices, we all have value simply because we're made in the image of God. Don't get me wrong. I love to see my kids excel at whatever they do, sports, school projects, making new friends, and serving at church, but it's very tempting to get into the habit only affirming their value when they excel and succeed. When I'm reminded about how God values me, regardless of my performance, I'm motivated to pass that on to my kids. You know, all of our children, I have four boys, and they follow instruction differently in our home right now. Micaiah, our oldest, he's almost a teenager, but he still listens to instruction pretty well. Weston and Phillips, our two middle sons, Uh, Like all strong-willed children, they like to push the limits whenever they can. And then Elliot, our youngest, he just wants to be included by his older brothers. So in our home, affirmation can't solely be based on performance. If it were, half of our children wouldn't receive affirmation half of the time. It's so easy to affirm our children only when they do something great according to us. So here's what I want to challenge and encourage all of our parents and grandparents with today. Affirm the characteristics and the qualities that God has put in your child. The qualities that have nothing to do with performance. And then reaffirm them about these characteristics and qualities on a regular basis. I'm just going to admit something to you today. This has been very difficult for me to do. I don't know why, but I have to be intentional about affirming my children outside of their performance. If I don't think about these things in advance, I typically forget. My own parents, they loved when I was in sports. They loved when I tried new things. But they didn't try to shape me and mold me according to their plan and their design. They allowed me to grow and develop into the person that God wanted me to be. They raised me according to my bent, not their own. Our kids need to be reminded regularly that we love them simply because they're ours and because they were made in the image of God, not based on performance, Not based on popularity, career choice, or who they marry. We love our kids in the way that our Heavenly Father loves us. Number three, if you're taking notes, trust your child with responsibility. Trust your child with responsibility. Luke chapter 16 verse 10 says, If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. As parents, we need to trust our children with more and more responsibility because that's what God does with us. We just hired a full-time youth and young adult minister here in the church, and uh, it's an exciting time, but it's caused me to think back to my first full-time youth ministry, which was in McAllister, Oklahoma. For the first time, God had given me the responsibility of leading a youth ministry. I remember being so nervous about this new role because I'd never done anything like it before. But as I grew in consistency and remained faithful in my calling, God brought more students and more volunteers into this ministry. The responsibilities grew, and in turn, so did the role. I ended up moving from youth ministry to family ministry to young adult ministry, and then to senior ministry. I've definitely made some mistakes along the way, but the parable that Jesus taught in Luke 16 is proven to be true that if you are faithful in the little things, You'll be faithful in the large ones. When we use the resources that God has given us for his glory, for kingdom work, and when we handle responsibility consistently and faithfully, God will give us more and more resources and responsibility to work with. My kids happen to be the weird homeschool kids, so we have to come up with fun and unique ways to help them grow and give them more responsibility as they get older. One thing that my wife started a few years back is what she calls team captain. Every day, Monday through Thursday, one of our kids is given the opportunity to be the team captain for the day. If you're the team captain, you get to pray before every meal, you get to change the calendar in the schoolroom, that's pretty fun, you get to read the scripture for Bible time, and you get to help set the table for dinner. Our kids love being the team captain, and they know that it's a privilege to But it's also a responsibility when it comes to trusting our children with more responsibility. Here's something that I see in my own life. I hope this will relate to you in some way today. I personally hate to see my kids struggle. And then I hate to see them try to fulfill a responsibility differently than I would do it. If you're anything like me, you equate your child struggling with suffering. We don't like to see them suffer. And you equate them fulfilling a responsibility differently than you as failing. Here's something that I'm slowly learning the longer I'm a parent. It's through our struggles and failures that we learn the biggest life lessons. When my kids are struggling or fulfilling a responsibility differently than I would, my tendency is to step in and either stop the struggle or correct the way that they're fulfilling a responsibility. But if some of the biggest life lessons are learned through our struggles and through our failures, then why do we step in and stop our kids from struggling and failing? According to God's word, struggling builds character and failure is not fatal. We need to be reminded about this today. Romans chapter 5 verses 3 through 4 says, We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You know, for first century Christians, struggling was the rule, not the exception. The Apostle Paul reminds us that even in the midst of our struggles, God has a plan for our lives. There's purpose in the pain. Daily, we're going to experience struggles and challenges that, that are meant to help us grow and become more like Christ. Romans chapter 5 reminds us that we can rejoice. We can be glad in our struggles and in our challenges. Not because we like pain, that would be silly, but because we know that God is using all of these things to build our character. If we want our kids to grow into the people that God has called them to be, could it be that we need to allow them to struggle and even fail at times? Struggles, problems, and trials develop endurance, which in turn develops strength of character as we build character, as we grow into the people that God has called us to be, we're reminded more and more about what God has done on our behalf. And we're reminded about our need for God every moment of every day. I've seen so many young people who were never allowed to struggle. They were never allowed to fail because mom and dad always had to step in. And because of this, they never learned how to trust and rely on God. And now they don't see a need for God at all. I've been guilty of this with my own boys, not allowing them to struggle when doing chores or stepping in and trying to do it for them. That's really hurt my relationship with them at times. It's okay to correct and train our children, but there's a difference between correcting and training and not allowing our children to struggle and fail. In the parable of the prodigal son, the dad listened to his younger son's request to let him go. He allowed him to go out on his own. Did the father want him to go? Absolutely not. But he let him go anyway. And after his son was able to struggle and fail on his own, he learned some important life lessons, and then he went back home to his family. Friends, it's often through our struggles and failures that we finally come to our senses. The younger son woke up one morning in a pile of pig poop, and God's word tells us that he came to his senses. He realized that he had messed up and he needed to go home. The prodigal son's story reminds me of Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, which says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. It's because of our struggles, failures, and sin that we can never be our own savior." We can never be good enough, and we can never follow all the rules. Instead, our struggles, failures, and sin lead us to our Savior because He alone can rescue us. He can rescue us when no one else can. If we don't allow our kids to struggle and fail, if we're always there to bail them out and be a crutch for them, then we're going to end up making them feel insecure and incompetent when it comes to the struggles that they'll inevitably face throughout the rest of their life. We should trust our children with more and more responsibility and allow them to struggle and even fail as they grow. At the very least, our struggles and failures remind us of our need for God every moment of every day. Our children are a blessing from God, and being a parent is a wonderful gift. It's often messy, but it's still a gift. Today, I want to encourage you to raise your children according to their bent. Accept your child's uniqueness. Affirm your child's value. Trust your child with responsibility. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Start children off on the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it.